0: Thank you Joe and Bethany for leading us in worship and what a wonderful time to just celebrate the goodness of God and I really appreciate so much uh, just the privilege of being together and especially on this Family Sunday we want to welcome the kids that are here we uh, love to have you in our services and we trust that uh, today will be a special time for all of us as we have come today to listen and to learn uh, and to fall more deeply in love with Jesus. Uh, today we're going to look at a young man, uh, he was a teenager and he was taken away from his country uh, and placed in a very difficult situation and we're going to learn about how he uh, stood tall for Jesus even though those around him uh, kind of went the way of the world and allowed uh, the surroundings uh, affect and impact their lives. So it's a, a message that I believe is important for all of us as as not only adults and kids and teenagers, but it's, it's important for all of us to understand how important it is that we live our lives uh, in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, before we get into our uh, time in the Word, I want us once again to uh, just spend some quiet time in prayer and reflection over what's happening in our world today. Uh, the issues in Afghanistan continue to be very, very difficult. This past week, 13 of our service people lost their lives. Uh, We think of the children, we think of the teenagers that are trying to get out of Afghanistan today. Uh, We sit here in our comfortable pews and and express worship to God, which is perfect and wonderful and it's all great, but there are so many little kids today that that are basically trying to stay alive. And uh, they are people that we will never know, we will never meet them. Uh, Many of them are born from above believers who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And so I want us to spend some quiet time just in uh, praying for our brothers and sisters, especially in Afghanistan and many other parts of our world today that are struggling. As we sit here in in a, a wonderful place of worship, we lift our hearts without any restrictions. Uh, God is so good to us, and then uh, to complicate things, we have a whole host of people that are under a hurricane watch down in the Gulf. And I've been in, through many of those hurricanes, and they're not fun. And uh, let's be praying for those that are in harm's way there in the Gulf Coast. And again, many services will be interrupted today because of what's going on down there. So let's let's just take a few quiet moments. Can we do that? Uh, as the family of God, and let's just pray for our brothers and sisters overseas. Pray for the families that have lost their uh, their servicemen. I can't even imagine what that must feel like. Uh, and then pray especially for the kids and the, and the children that are in harm's way today, that God would protect them and that God would somehow uh, show himself mighty across the world. Our world is in desperate need of a touch from God today. So let's pray. <coughs> Father in heaven, we are so blessed to be here today. You have protected us. You've preserved us. You've preserved our country now for more than 234, 35-plus years. And yet our country has strayed away from you. And we do not acknowledge you as the giver of life. Please forgive us. Help us as a people, as a nation, to humble ourselves before you, to seek your face, to turn from that which we know is wrong in our lives and endeavor to live a life that is pleasing to you. We pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in harm's way right now. I can't even begin to imagine the fear and the anxiety of being left behind leaving family members behind, little babies and children behind. Lord, we are living in a day in which it just breaks our hearts as we see what is taking place around the world, the persecution, the atrocity that is happening to people who have identified with you just like we do. And so we pray for those in Afghanistan that are need a touch from you protect them Lord help them to get to safety pray for the children of Afghanistan these little infants precious innocent lives that Oh God please and then I pray Lord for these servicemen and their families they're grieving today please Lord surround them with your presence and with your goodness and with your grace and for those in harm's way because of this hurricane, we would lift them to you. And we lift many of those churches there in the southeast to you that their services are interrupted because of all of this. And we just ask that somehow, some way, you would, would intervene in all these crises that are happening around our country and around the world today. And we come before you as needy people. And we need a fresh touch from you. So, Lord, we surrender to you. We allow you to be our king. We want to honor you in all that we do. Thank you that we can commit our friends and our loved ones, yes, even our enemies, to you because we know that you will always have the final say. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I invite you this morning to uh, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Daniel on this Family Sunday. We wanted to kind of interrupt our regular series that we've been doing on the seven churches, and we wanted to talk about a young man who I believe is a worthy role model, not only for kids and adults, but also for uh, each one of us, especially as parents. There's some incredible truth that is found in Daniel chapter 1. And so if you'd open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, and we're just going to read one verse of scripture today. Uh, it's a key verse, and it's verse 8. So if you have your Bibles open, if you turn to Daniel chapter 1 and look at verse 8, uh, we'll find that up on the screen here. I Just go back one more there. There we go, but Daniel resolved. We're gonna start there, but Daniel resolved. It's verse eight. I want us to stand together. Let's stand in honor of the word of God. We're gonna read verse eight together because this is the key verse uh, of the first chapter and in fact, it continues to evidence itself throughout the book of Daniel because of Daniel's strong resolve. Remember, this is just a teenager. He's probably 14, 15 years of age. Uh, He's been taken away from his homeland. He's in a foreign country. He's in a difficult situation. And uh, here is the resolve of a young man. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. Let's read it together. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Well, we're going to find out what made that king's food defiling in just a few minutes. We're going to find out why Daniel took a stand when the majority around him didn't. Uh, It's very interesting as you study the life of Daniel that he marches to the beat of a different drummer. He does not allow the circumstances and the situations in life affect his absolute commitment to the sovereign Lord of the universe, Almighty God, and uh, we're going to find out how he can stand tall in the midst of many who are compromising their faith, throwing their faith overboard, not living a life that God has called them to live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this privilege we have to study your word, open your Word to our hearts and to our minds and give us insight and understanding. Thank you again for the kids and everyone that is here today. May our hearts be in tune with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel, more than anything else, is a young person of character. Character is the most important part of our lives. It is formed in us early on. Our characters are constantly being molded and shaped by the influences that speak into our lives and by the examples that we see in the lives of others. It's interesting that we don't think a whole lot about character except when it is absent. When it is absent, all of a sudden, we begin to think about the importance of the C word, character. We see it happening in almost every sector of life where we think there are people of character who fumble the character ball. Whether it's an athlete, a world-class athlete who is in some kind of a paternity suit, we wonder about his character. Whether it's a politician who takes money under the table who claims that it's okay to do that, we wonder about his character. We understand investors today that abscond with people's money. We wonder about their character. We take a look at our playmates, kids at school who don't tell the truth we wonder about their character. Character is something that we all value very much, but we don't think a whole lot about it until it is absent. And then we wonder, what has happened? Why is it that people are conducting themselves so out of character? If you ever had that uh, uh, conversation? It's, it's rather interesting. Seems like over the years, People that I have put my confidence in many times disappoint me. Not because of what they do, but because the C word is missing. You don't see strength of character. You see compromise instead. You see accommodation instead. You see everything that begins to eat away, not only at our own personal souls, but at the soul of our nation. And so, this morning, we want to take a look at this young man who is a young man of incredible character. Now, character has to do with who we are on the inside. It has nothing to do with what we do. What we do is our reputation. Character is who we are at the core of our being. And character is not born in a crisis. It emerges from a crisis. In other words, if you wait until... A crisis occurs to develop your character, you've waited too long. We need to be constantly honing and shaping our lives so that our lives become reflective of Jesus. And every day there's an opportunity for all of us to pass the character test. Chuck Swindoll makes an interesting (laughs) comment in his book, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. He says, a compromise today will lead to a character trait tomorrow, and a character trait tomorrow will determine your future. The decisions we make today, the character that is evident in our lives as kids growing up, students, adults, that all impacts the way we make decisions that will impact our destiny." and will impact whether or not our influence can be extended to others and have an influence that outlasts our lives. Now this passage that we want to look at here is a passage about a young man by the name of Daniel. The name Daniel means God is my judge and it's because of his unfailing devotion to God and transparency of character That Daniel outlives kings and dynasties and has an influence of unparalleled significance. This young man who took a stand for God was used of God in ways that he never ever imagined simply because he chose to take sides with God. Now it's very interesting that Daniel's personal credentials are quite impressive. We see this in verses 4 and 5. Notice that there are a number of youths. You see this beginning at verse uh, 3. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and the nobility. So Daniel and his three friends came from strong families. They were of the nobility, uh, some even from the royal family. Uh, Use without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom. So in verse 3, we see that Daniel is coming from an excellent family background. He comes from the nobility. He comes from people who have been well-schooled and well-learned. He comes from a family that invested in him, a mom and dad who invested in him. He comes from an excellent family. He also has a, a, a fabulous a physical condition. Notice it says that he was without blemish and of good appearance. In other words, he was tall, tan, and terrific. I mean, he was a dude. He really was. I mean, this was not, this was not somebody that was kind of off in the bushes someplace. No, no. Daniel was strong. He's virile. He was he was a man's man. Good appearance. Some translations say that good appearance can be translated. He was handsome. I mean here are young men who are the top of their experiences. They come from a good family. They have good appearances Plus, they are intellectually favored. They are skillful, notice, in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding. Notice, also, competent to stand in the king's palace. So here are individuals that are chosen to, now they have been captured by Babylon. Now they are in a different country. They are away from mom and dad. They've had all kinds of positive things in terms of their upbringing, but now they are totally isolated. And what's more now, they have been chosen out of the many hundreds of youth that have been taken. These four have been chosen now to stand in the king's presence. And it's at this point that they face a value conflict. Whenever you are away from your your home, whenever you're away from that which is familiar to you, more often than not, you're going to face conflict. And oftentimes, it's a form of a value conflict. And notice, the value conflict is described in verse 5, where it says, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food. And here's what you need to underscore, that the king ate and the wine that he drank. So at this moment, when they are given this assignment that their values that they grew up with in Israel come face-to-face and clash with now the values of a foreign government that does not believe in Jehovah God, that does not believe that God is the one true God. They worship many gods. And so as a young person, he's very much alert to this, and it creates this conflict, this pulling uh, of, of, of knowing who he is at the heart of his being and now what he's being asked to do, which he knows is in direct conflict to what he has been brought up to believe and to do. So notice how he approaches this value conflict. First of all, he exercises determination. Notice verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. He makes a decision. He doesn't accommodate, he doesn't blend into this foreign environment, this new place that he now is, but he makes a decision to stand for something that he believed. Now, to receive a daily portion of the king's food was to be considered something of high value. Not everybody was able to sit at the king's table. Let me tell you, that was something that many sought after. And yet, because of who he is at the core of his being, to sit at the king's table posed a major issue for this young man. And he faces compromise with his religious heritage. Now, that tells us something about this young man. I mean, when you're away from mom and dad, you're away from all those influences, now's the time to live it up. Now is the time to do all those things that you couldn't do because others would know and they would find out about it. But Daniel purposes, he resolves in his heart that he's not going to turn his back on his religious upbringing. To the contrary, he's going to stand for what he believes and knows. He's going to stand for his religious heritage. And so it says here that Daniel resolved, that is, he made up his mind. This is something he did internally. It wasn't something that he was forcing from without. It came from within, a deep conviction that to eat the king's food and to drink the wine that he drank would be a huge compromise of everything he had been taught to believe. And it was this same conviction that causes him later on in chapter 5 and verse 17 When he is at Belshazzar's feast, he was offended by that feast because of his character. And in chapter 6 and verse 10, when he is forbidden to pray, he continues to pray because he understands that prayer is what pleases God and he's not about to bow down to those who would ask him to violate that which he believed with all of his heart. And so his devotion to God, his convictions, enable him to live above compromise and this is the emphasis of all these opening chapters of the book of Daniel you see there were many many youths that were taken captive by the Babylonians but there were only four who actually made a difference four out of the hundreds who left a lasting impact and influence for righteousness in an ungodly environment Now, let me just put it this way. God always has those who are faithful to him no matter what. And God is looking today for Daniels. He is looking for people who will take their stand at the foot of the cross and not compromise. We live in a world of total compromise. It's happening today. I mean, the latest article in Christianity Today talks about the fact that now churches are being urged to Welcome into membership, cohabiting couples. This is, what, this, this is the world in which we are living today. There is no moral North Star anymore. And so compromise, compromise, compromise is what we are facing, not only as kids and adults and students, each one of us, no matter where we're at, I face compromise every day. So do you. And unless we are committed to our spiritual heritage like Daniel is, uh, we're going to find ourselves in deep trouble. We used to sing that little song as I was growing up, Dare to be a Daniel. How many of you remember that song? Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. That is what God calls all of us to do, and Daniel at this point, chooses to stand alone even though he knows he is going against what the king has ordered to be served to him. So he exercises, first of all, great determination. He evidences discernment in the second place. Notice he, reser- he resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. It was not just food, it was the king's food. And that's what made it defiling Daniel had an uncanny sense of discernment. Now, what made that food defiling? Was it some kind of crawling with some kind of a microorganism? Or was there something wrong with it? No, no. Daniel was wise enough to know that that food, if it was at the king's table, had probably been sacrificed to his gods because... In the ancient world, pagans as well as Jews, anything that sacrificed had extreme significance. And so to eat something that the king had already sacrificed to his idols for Daniel would be the supreme act of disobedience to the God whom he loves and whom he serves, and he resolves that he will not do this. The next logical question that comes to mind, where in the world did he learn this kind of discernment? Was it through his peers? Was it through this training that he and his buddies were having to go through? How did he have any understanding as a young person that this food that was being ordered for him was defiling? I mean, you put a nice juicy steak in front of it teenager today, boink, they go after it. They don't check it out. They love those knives, especially those knives off the grill, a little bit raw, a little bit rare, not raw, but rare. Okay. They go after it. But there is something inside Daniel that is triggered. Where did he learn this kind of discernment? There had to be a reason for this. And I believe the reason is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. You may want to turn over to that. Daniel's mom and dad had created an environment in the home where their home had been surrendered to the Lord God. And Daniel's parents, first of all, had devoted themselves to God, and they loved the Lord God with all their heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And then they communicated that same heritage to their kids. Notice Deuteronomy chapter 6 beginning at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. He's talking to mom and dad there. He is saying, I want you as godly parents in Israel, I want you to teach them that God is the one that they are to love. They're to love him with their mind, soul, body, and strength. They are to be committed to Jehovah God. I want you to, as parents, cultivate that deep love for the living God. Then uh, Moses goes on to say, He says, then you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's simply saying is that As mom and dad are deeply in love with Jesus, whenever they're with the kids, whether it's in the early morning or late at night or any time in between, they are always looking for teachable moments to teach and invest biblical values into the lives of their children. The most important congregation that any of us have is our congregation of one, two, three, or four. How many God's given to us? Investing in our kids. What happens for so many of us? We let the TV, we let the board games, we let all these, these other kinds of things influence the minds and hearts of our kids. Where's the priority of investing spiritually into the life of our kids? Daniel's parents had done a pretty good job. They had done an outstanding job. They didn't know in advance that Daniel and his three friends would be taken into Babylonian captivity. I mean, when Daniel was born, he was born just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were born into godly Israelite families. They didn't know in advance that they were going to be taken and, and placed in a foreign country. But from the time these Teenagers, these children, grew up, they had a mom and dad that infused them with biblical truth. And that is why he's able to exercise this kind of discernment. You see, the baton has to be passed from one generation to another. And truth is always lost in the exchange lanes. You know, you get your family raised, and praise God, you know they're living for Jesus, and then the grandkids come along. And let me tell you, I pray more for my grandkids now than I have ever prayed for them because of the environment that they're in. It's not easy. It's tough to be a kid today. It's tough to be a student today. All of the issues, the social media, the stuff that is thrown at our kids today And it starts when they're very young. And don't be mistaken, they are influenced by those forces to a far greater degree than any of us would ever care to accept or acknowledge today. Ah, you know, we say, well, that's just kind of a phase they're going through. They'll they'll grow out of it. No. (laughs) Let, Let me tell you, what we take into our minds and take into our hearts That is what shapes our character and that is why it is so important that we as mom and dad are deeply in love with Jesus and we have time when we seize those teachable moments to invest life transforming principles in their lives. Many times you think that the kids haven't heard. Many times you think they've ignored what you've said. But I've lived long enough now to see that some of the investment that Sandy and I made in our kids actually took root. I was just amazed at my daughter Tanya's wedding. Her big sister, Stephanie, was the maid of honor. And you know, they always have to give these speeches and all this kind of stuff at a wedding, reception. And Stephanie gets up and goodness sakes, we had memorized many passages of scripture as the kids have been growing up and she said well she said you know she said mom and dad always we we had our family devotions and we memorized a lot of psalms and Tanya there is a psalm that we memorize as a family that I want to give you as your life verse and she began to quote psalm 100 now I trust me you know, I'm a busy pastor. Sandy's doing all kinds of things. We tried to, sometimes we didn't have family devotions, but we tried really to be as consistent as we possibly could. But many times, none of the kids came up to me and said, hey, Dad, thanks for teaching me these lessons. Oh, I, I learned so much. No. But the older they get, The seeds that we sow as mom and dad, it prepares them for life. And many times we will never even know of this. And so Daniel's parents, we need to commend them because they did a fabulous job with their family. Now, up to this point, Daniel exercises determination. He evidences discernment. Those are inner qualities of character. But now, these last two points that I want to make very quickly is that number three, he exhibits courage. He takes some action. It's not just something internal, but he actually becomes active in making sure that he doesn't violate this this conflict that has happened because he's been asked to eat of the king's food. Notice, we see it says there in Daniel... Chapter 1 and verse 8, Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So he's, nothing, not, this is not only an inner conviction, but now he goes to the person who's been assigned to him to make sure that he fulfills what the king wants him to do. And it's very amazing to me that God prepares the heart of this heathen official for Daniel's courageous request. Notice what the text says. It says, in the verse, the, the verse ten, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, "I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age, so you would endanger my head with the king." Now, up in verse nine, notice it says, "And Daniel gave, and God gave Daniel favor." and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. (coughs) God prepared the heart of this heathen official for Daniel's request, and instead of reacting negatively to Daniel, instead of of, uh, basically outing him and saying, here's somebody that's being disobedient, God, notice, not the pagan gods, but God, the sovereign Lord of the universe, he works in the heart of this pagan official. And instead of reacting negatively to Daniel's request, he finds, he receives it with favor. And the implication is, is that he would have granted the request had he not feared for his own life. You see that in the text? He would, he, I mean, this is very interesting. So here is a man of courage who not only is evidencing inner determination and discernment, but now he goes to somebody who can help him not defile himself. And it's made of this high official, I mean, who had the power at that moment uh, to do away with Daniel and his friends, but... You see, God's supernatural intervention, how he prepares hearts. Let me put it this way. When God lays it on your heart to stand up for what's right, and you have to confront someone who has asked you to do something that is wrong, God is not, it's not all dependent on you. God will prepare that person that you need to go to. This is the message that we need to understand. So many times when we are convicted by the Holy Spirit that we need to take a stand, we think it all depends on us and we forget the sovereign Lord who is preparing the person to whom we're going. It's amazing. You see it here. And so God's at work. Daniel is still alive. His three friends are still alive and he has made this courageous request known uh, to somebody that can make a difference. But again, you come to the uh, end of verse 10 and they are still under this situation of having to partake of the king's food. But then I want you to notice how he perseveres. He not only is a man of courage, but he perseveres. Now Daniel could have just said, okay, well, I've given up my best shot. I, 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 I guess we're going to have to go along with this. No, 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 no. Look at verse 11. Then Daniel said to the steward, put a circle around the word steward, this is an individual who was accountable to the chief official. Many translations say guard, or in the Hebrew, that word steward, he, 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 he went to the chief cook. He went to the guy who really mattered. Notice. Then Daniel said to the steward of the chief cook, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Here it is. Test your servants for ten days, and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. My. You talk about persevering he gets kind of a gracious no from the chief official because the chief official he doesn't want to mess with where he is standing he he, he's fearing for his life but Daniel takes it a step further and he perseveres and he stays at it and he goes to this steward who basically was in charge of preparing all the meals and he said test your servants give us vegetables instead of all the king's food just give us vegetables and water and then test and see which ones are really the stronger and the more alert and the more mentally astute test them and so the steward did and you notice the text says here that he gave them water to drink wine to drink and vegetables and notice what happened at the end of the 10 days verse 15 at the end of the 10 days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food you see I believe this is a lesson where God is telling us as his people that God will always honor those who honor him If we will always take sides with God even though it's difficult and even though it's hard. It would have been really easy for Daniel just to go along with the flow, wouldn't it? I mean, that's what most of those youths did. You don't hear anything about them. There's nothing in the biblical record about the hundreds of youths that were taken captive and ate at the king's table and drank the wine that he drank, who defiled themselves. Nothing is said about them, but something is said about a man who chooses character over compromise. He has an incredible influence for God. Notice the end result. We see this very clearly in verse 15 that God honors their faith, they turn out much better than all the rest, uh, he expands Daniel and his friends intellectual abilities, verse 17, notice, as for these four youths, the God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. So God not only took those natural abilities that they already had and he gave them even greater abilities because of their stand for him and he also rewarded them with an influence way beyond anything that could have imagined. Notice, when the king spoke with them in verse 19, among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king And in verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. His reach extended not just in that one locality, extended to the entire kingdom. You see, this is the way God honors those who honor him. When we push back when we are tempted to compromise let me tell you it takes a man or woman of God to do that it takes someone that has inner strength determination no matter what the cost I'm going to choose sides with God that's the kind the kids kind of students the kind of adults that God's looking for he's looking today for people who will take sides with God even when it's tough. Even when we're in a different environment. Even when we are alone. You see, our character comes out when no one else is looking. And God is asking us today, men, women, boys and girls, students, seniors all of us he's asking us dare to be a daniel let's pray father in heaven we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to study your word to grow in your grace to be men and women of character who shun compromise who choose not the easy way out but the way of the cross Lord, we surrender to you today. You take our lives and let them be totally surrendered to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.